0: Happy Sunday and welcome to the Be Her Village podcast. It's been a little while since we've released a podcast and it's because there have been some really exciting things happening behind the scenes at Be Her Village. So before I introduce this podcast with Emily Mass Noon, let me fill you in on some of the cool things that have been happening with Be Her Village. As of right now, I'm just pulling it up. There have been $19,814.50 and counting that money has flowed into the pockets of new parents. New parents are creating registries. They're getting the funds to pay for the support that they deserve. And we've got some awesome partnerships coming up and things are all finally clicking into place. It's incredible to watch this all happen. The seed of an idea is finally growing and parents now have a way to make it super easy to ask for and receive the cash to pay for the support providers they want. So we want to thank you to those who have supported us in big ways or in small, by joining us as a paid provider, by sharing our reels and Instagram posts, by liking our photos and telling your friends about us, we appreciate each and every bit of it. Now on to the podcast. In this episode, Caitlin McGreas, founder of Be Her Village, talks to Emily Mass Noon of Emily Mass Noon Yoga and Coaching. Emily has a virtually based yoga and coaching practice where her focus is on pregnant and new moms. She encourages them to take the time to really embrace self-care for themselves, but also to be a better parent for their children. So she's helping them do that while they're going through their pregnancy and then also while they're navigating postpartum. Caitlin and Emily talk about the beauty and importance of strengthening one's intuition so we're better able to listen to our gut rather than the inner critic or outside opinions. Emily is a provider on the Be Her Village partner page. And if you're pregnant and want to use Emily's services, you can add her to your Be Her Village registry. I'll include that link in the show notes. We're excited to help parents get the funds they need to pay for the support they deserve. Thanks for being here with us. And now here's Caitlin
1: and Emily. Enjoy the episode. Welcome everybody. I am Caitlin Grayus, founder of Be Her Village, gift registry for support, not stuff. And I am so lucky to be joined today by Emily Massnoon of Emily Masnoon Yoga and Coaching. Is that correct, Emily? Am I getting that right? right. Excellent. Yep. So Emily is um, an incredible person who does coaching and yoga and had a huge shift when the pandemic started to a fully virtual practice. So thank you so much for joining me today, Emily. I'm so grateful to to have you here with me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, this is great. So we have connected um, previously talking about, you know, having you join our Be Her Village community and the work that we're doing. And I have to say, this is one of my favorite parts of this work, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of different kind of things and, and, you know, balls in the air. And one of my favorite things to do is to connect with other powerhouses like you who are both doing like this really cool business building and community building, but also heart led, highly impactful and making lives better. So, That, let's just start with that. You're awesome. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about what your practice is and then we can just kind of see where, where we yeah. go from there. What is it that you offer? So for the last decade
2: or more, I've been offering mainly prenatal yoga and postpartum yoga. For a while, I would do in-person classes and workshops and mom and baby classes and, Partner prenatal yoga workshops. And so I got to work with lots of groups of expecting parents and moms and babies and such. And, you know, over that decade, things naturally have shifted. And so now everything is online, but that's not forced, that's by choice. And because while COVID gave me permission to really um, move online and allowed everyone to see the benefit and the value in connecting online i wanted to reach more people and allow more access right that's something that we're all wanting is like i want i need more access to this i need more access to that well this allows for more of that and so now i'm offering prenatal yoga and postpartum yoga but also birth experience coaching and just kind of like life coaching spirituality coaching transformational coaching after
1: you know in motherhood and beyond that's amazing. And so when I hear that as a doula, that's, that's my entry into, you know, this motherhood support realm. What I hear you saying is basically you're doing the doula work and the coaching prior, and then you're doing that work in the postpartum, but you're not necessarily attending the birth. Exactly. Are you doing things? Like kind of paint a picture for me. So is this something that, because there's a lot of people who want doula support, see the value in it, understand that they need somebody to help them through this enormous transition Um, That has, you know, you have the healthcare system entwined with this emotional and physical and relational sort of shift in our lives. So it, it feels like a natural place to have a therapist or a coach or a doula or some sort of trusted person. Are you coaching and talking about kind of just the emotional side of things? Are you also helping people figure out navigating their healthcare choices? What does it look like for someone to engage with you in coaching? So for the coaching piece
2: specifically, although I will say my prenatal classes kind of are always infused with more than just the prenatal yoga, right? Like the underneath kind of substance coaching stuff. The coaching piece for me is working in a lot of the like foundational inner work, because we're so like task oriented, what do I need to get done? And then we kind of deal with how am I feeling about it? How am I responding to it after the fact? And so, uh, you know, me being like an insane plant lover, like I, 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 I know the value in like the soil and tending to like where the roots grow first. And if there's an issue there, like, working and loving that part and so for us and especially in motherhood which is just like such an important role like it's 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 everything you know to help people kind of see what's going on there and see what they're working with and see how they want to show up as they enter into motherhood and then kind of with that going hand in hand then we get to pull out how do you envision your birth like what's important to you how do we align your inner vision with your personal practices, how you're caring for yourself, how you're creating your birth plan, how you're aligning your birth team. So we do, we marry the two together. And that's why my coaching offering is so important to me and why I'm so passionate about it is because it is all important. Like we need all of it, you know? And so I love being able to work with women on the emotional level and like see, have them help them uncover their truth. Because we don't gain anything from like not knowing who we are. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I just relate so deeply to this. I mean, off the air, I was just like, you're like, how are you? Which I think most people are like, I'm good. And I'm like, I am going through transformational emotional shifts. I am so good. I am. It's, and I also feel safe in connecting with you on that level. I feel like you're totally going to get what I mean when I answer a mundane question. Like, how are you with how I'm actually doing, you know? Yeah. But I absolutely love this idea of the soil and of that being the thing we need to address because I think there's so many images of motherhood like, oh, well, which are you breastfeeding or bottle feeding? And, and are you saying, I remember having like, it's funny to me now, but it was very real in the moment. I remember being like nervous slash anxious about the fact that I wasn't saying 5,000 words a day in front of my silent (laughs) four-month-old. Like, those are the types of things that I worried about. Am I a good mother? Am I doing X, Y, Z? And it felt very linear, and it felt very much like a checklist, and it felt slightly competitive with other people and with social media. and, And it really felt very surface level, it felt like petals and flowers and pretty things. And as I've grown into parenting, as I've grown into adulthood, and I've grown deeper in my marriage, and I'm like, you know, I'm in the thick of all these great things. And the pandemic has often, like for me anyway, shed all of those pretty things. So we kind of all we've got left at sometimes are, is the soil. But it's the thing, it's the least interesting thing, I think, for gardening, you know, is like, the soil who cares about the soil but like, like or at least from the outside right from, from the, the on- onlooker but who cares what their perspective is necessarily too yeah the soil is actually where everything happens yeah. and yeah. when we get our hands dirty it can be uncomfortable to have dirt on our hands it can be uncomfortable to like dive in to see who we are underneath and and as I grow with my children as they go from these little accessories you know because they really were like they just are a little bit attached (laughs) to your body at all times, like a very cute living purse, you know? Um, But as they go from that to their own people, and I start to see these patterns of, you know, how am I, and how am I reacting to him? And why am I showing up like that? And digging a little bit under each time there's interaction, like I am either causing trauma to him or I'm healing it for me. And like, And it's an interesting, there's kind of a, like a choice in each of those moments of how I want to do it. But there's also, there's no alternative, like in parenting, it's this crucible of, okay, you know, this is hard. And it's in, in the difficulty, I think there's such beauty and it forces you to look at yourself in ways that I don't know. Nothing else in my life has really challenged me to To look a little deeper at myself and break down some of those defenses, break down some of those barriers um, that I had in order to properly and like authentically care for my child and care for myself, which is not something I had ever experienced. And I think that that's something that's really interesting about what you do is, is it's really about like, Hey, you need to, you need to take care of yourself. You need to take a yoga class. You need to get a coach. You need to work through these things in order to be able to show up for the people that you love. Yeah. I mean, you can't fake it, right? Especially
2: with kids, like you can't fake how things are going and you shouldn't really want to or have to. And I like, I really, I feel like people's self-care is important for so many reasons, not just like, and if it were just for any one of these reasons, it would be enough, but not just for mom's comfort and like personal well being and like joy in the world. But because also that's like, she is teaching who's watching. Like your kids are doing what you do, not what you tell them. They are doing what you do. I don't care how scary that might be. It's reality. So we need to address that, right? Rather than like just trying to make ourselves feel less guilty and better. Why don't we really like open to the transformation? Because it's scary. And I get that. But it's, it has to happen, right? It's like, it has to happen. Um, I
1: really wish they would do what I said though. I know. Like, Sometimes. Just, wear, just, just put your shoes on. Just I, know. Do I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, I know that's all we're talking about, but also a little part of me is like, can they, can they do what I do and what I say? Cause I know,
2: <laughs> I know. Yeah. There's definitely a, a mix there and there's plenty of
1: gray area. <laughs> there is. Um, so one of the things I just want to circle back to what you just said that we, it's not just about us, it's that our kids are watching us. And I, I personally find that to be such a motivator for caring for myself. And it's a little, it's a little backwards. And I wish I was like the type of person that like just cared for myself because I was good at that, you know, but I'm really, really, really not good at that. And it's, it's something I'm learning, but it's your opportunity, right? This is maybe the way that you were meant to learn that. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, (laughs) apparently. but I I find myself doing things. It comes easily for me when I think about my children, you know, and I think it's, it's been this thing, you know, since I became a mother, it was like, I have to respond. I have to put, and there is certainly like a primal necessary need to put your baby's needs before your own so that they survive, you know, because if we all just slept through the night, our babies would not really necessarily, you know, thrive but there's also this balance of like at what point does it come back and how can we have this wider lens perspective on on what it means to care for our children because i i like to think of it as like i am raising these future adults and i i give them their childhood they have this beautiful little bubble that they live in they don't know half the things that are you know that are scary yeah. and awful in this world which right. we're very privileged to be able to keep them in that bubble while while also talking about important issues and political things that are happening in our world and justice and all of that. But there is this idea of like, you guys need to learn what it looks like to be a functioning adult. And if I'm not a functioning adult and I'm not finding this balance for myself, then how can I ever show it? How can I ever teach you? And it's funny that it's more motivating to think, how can I teach them to be a functioning adult by being a functioning adult versus just how about I just be a functioning adult because it feels good. <laughs> I know. But then that goes back to your primal instinct of wanting
2: to care for them. And if they're your motivation, fine. Right. Maybe that's what it takes and
1: that's okay. Yes. You yes. Know? I love that. So talk to me about the ways that you're supporting pregnant people. What does it look like in your classes and in your coaching? What sorts of themes are you talking about? Like, I would imagine your prenatal yoga classes are more than just... A series of poses but that there's an emotional and spiritual context absolutely the work that you're doing one of
2: my like ongoing main themes is how to listen to your inner voice how to identify what's your intuition and what are all the fears and things, opinions, standards, expectations put on you by the outside world and how to really let identify that voice and feel what that feels like and move your body in a way that you're moving along with that, you're guided by that. And, you know, with that like appreciation of your body and what it can do and how you can guide your body like, you know, literally there have been times it hasn't happened in a long time like in classes where i'm like lift your right arm and people have to look around first not because they don't know their right or left that's not what it is it's waiting for permission or doubting themselves like is that really what we're supposed to do do i am i doing it right like without first just thinking okay i know what my right arm is i'm gonna raise my like you know just kind of that inner trust cultivating the inner trust and then when there's questions then refer out you know in general like some stuff in a class yeah you're not quite sure fine look around that's part of why we're all here in a group that's not the point the point is trusting yourself the point is not doubting yourself first trusting yourself first how do things feel what what's my gut tell me because the more that we listen to it and we are willing to explore that the more we strengthen it um and the more empowered we feel and then we can move forward from an authentic place. And so my classes, you know, we, we kind of weave that in through all the postures. And of course the strengthening, but also the trusting your strength. Mm. You know, trusting your breath. How do I work with myself in a way that feels like I'm in the flow with my own rhythm rather than trying to do what I was just told to do and follow the steps that I was just told to do. That's not how we work with our empowered self
1: that is amazing. And it is, I think that is one of the areas that comes up in motherhood and parenthood and birth and people learn this skill in different stages. So like what I, you know, I spoke to an infertility coach and she shared her story of, you know, not getting pregnant and the isolation and the IVF and the, this and the, that. And I, The way she was describing it and the lessons she learned were the lessons I learned during my birth. And it's like, I had this light bulb of like, oh, we are, we're all learning kind of the same lesson. It's just a matter of like what crucible we're put into. Is it infertility journey? Is it a difficult birth? Is it a difficult pregnancy? Or is it just plain old normal birth, pregnancy, fertility, and then just motherhood? There's this- There's this learning that happens, and that intuition and that reliance on ourselves is so important. I actually, the, I'm listening to you talk about that, and it triggered um, a memory for me where I was feeling frustrated. And this is like, this is not who I am now. So I just want to put that out there as like an asterisk. This is not the mom or the person I am now, but it was back when I had my first baby. And I remember being so frustrated. I was like the nursing on demand, you know, very attachment parenting always holding and wearing my babies and that was what I chose and I had this a little bit like holier than now like this is the only way to parent ever um and I remember making a comment to my mother about somebody we both knew who was you know feeding her baby, like not if the baby cried or not if the baby did, but like, because it was 11 (laughs) AM and it was just time for the baby to be fed. And I remember complaining to her, like, just, I don't get how she can do that and how she's not responsive to the baby. And it was, it was just frustrating for me. And she, she's a therapist. So this is probably how she's good at reframing it. But she was in all of her diplomacy and reframing said, well, Caitlin, it's really beautiful that you trust yourself to care for your baby without that external clock. And it was just so simple. It just shut me down and melted all of my judgment and, and reframed it in a way that made me feel good. And it was just, it was an interesting thing. And I say this not because like the goal is that you should not ever use a clock or an app or anything to to tell you when to feed your baby, but just that that was, it was maybe one of the first times I realized that the way I parented was because I had some of that intuition and maybe other people didn't have it quite as easily. And that was a light bulb moment for me that it wasn't just something everybody could rely on, you know, is themselves. And, and it's so powerful and so difficult to teach and to get people in touch with that sort of intuition. Because once you get in touch with it in one area of your life, it's really hard not to be in touch with it in all areas of your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so worth whatever it takes to get in touch with it. It's beyond worth it.
2: Yeah. You do other
1: hard things all the time. Right. Yeah, And sometimes it's a matter of someone just pointing it out. I had a client once who Was a doula client who was feeling an enormous amount of anxiety about her upcoming planned C-section, and you know, just like public service announcement, doulas and planned C-sections go together, and it's about the empowerment and exactly what we're talking about, and not about like breathing through an epidural-free labor, um, although those are great too. So she was feeling this enormous amount of anxiety, and and it was like the night or two before she went in, and I said, I just saw her kind of feeling. Like a powerless, coming from a powerless space, feeling really stressed about it. And I, I just, I don't remember exactly what I said, but essentially I said, put on, oh, now I remember, put on your attorney hat because she's a powerful attorney in her job. You know, put on your attorney hat. How do you feel when you have that hat on? think about this upcoming birth and the conversations with your doctors and the nurses and the anesthesiologists and all the things that are causing you stress. And, and I think when she was thinking about her birth and entering the hospital system, we feel kind of shrunken. We feel like we're going to have to endure something, you know, and it's true. There's certainly reasons to feel like that. And, and it was so easy. I could see the switch. I could see her eyes switch. I could see her posture change. And then she walked into her birth with like this amazing, like, packet and the pen. And she just spoke to everybody with this beautiful uh, power, so and good, amazing C-section. And it, you know, it wasn't the birth she necessarily wanted, but it was necessary for her case. And it was so cool to see her step into that because you just remind somebody like you have this power and you use it every day, day in and day out. And there's nothing different about that right now having the power, having
2: the freedom and the choice, like however the outcome, whatever the outcome, that's not the issue, right? Like we, we find all these ways to just totally miss the point. The point is, how do you feel about it? Did you get to choose it? Did you get the answers that you needed? The support you needed? Did you, did you seek it out? Did you require it? You know, like it's just, it's about the meaning of it. Like what, how do you feel about the outcome of your birth? How do you feel about your birth experience? Do you feel like you had one pulled over on you or you you weren't prepared or someone didn't tell you the truth or like didn't give you options? Do you feel like you wish you had better prepared and like you know done researched your options? Whatever it is, or do you feel like yeah, I did my I did what I feel was like a good preparation. I feel good about my choices. I feel good about navigating however things do end up going and I feel strong in my own like power. It's just like, that's what
1: it's about. That is exactly what it's about. There's Henny Simkin is like the godmother or grandmother or whatever it is, the, the matriarch of the dual community. And yeah. she had, did a study and it was handed to me in my doula training, which was And I, I just absolutely love it. So basically what she did is she asked people who had given birth some, you know, a couple of weeks or months before, and some up to like 30 years before. So it was a wide range of people. And she wanted to see, she basically interviewed them and put them into two different groups, people who had a positive reflection on their birth, and people who had a negative reflection on their birth. And the expectation might be that the people who had a positive reflection had really quick labors and vaginal births and not that painful and, you know, maybe no forceps or, you know, lack, not so many interventions yeah. and that the negative experiences would be long, painful, awful, torturous labors and births and C-sections. And it was actually not like that at all. The two groups had all different kinds of medical outcomes in them, all different kinds of labors and births and durations and pain levels. And the thing that separated the two of them were the people that had a positive outcome on their birth felt like they were in control. They felt like they had agency. They felt like they were part of the decision-making team. They felt like people were consulting them throughout about their choices. And the people that were in the negative experience for their birth, every single one of them, even the people who gave birth 30 years before could pinpoint an exact moment that somebody said something and the words that were said to them in that negative way that felt, made them feel disempowered that people were rude to them in that time of vulnerability. And that's where it comes down to like, it's not about whether you have a C-section or not. C-sections are beautiful and amazing tools and not just for medical needs of the baby. They're great tools for people who are trauma survivors, people who have, you know, feelings about their bodies and are, have deep seated fears about birth. It's okay to, it's not just okay. It's great to choose that for yourself and opt in with really good information about the type of birth you're having. And that C-section can be hugely empowering and just an, a beautiful product of you being informed and having a voice in your care every single step of the way. It's really amazing work that you're doing, Emily. And I I just, I'm so grateful that there are people like you out there that are doing the work day in and day out, not necessarily like, Hey, do home birth, you know, because home birth is wonderful and a great right. option for some people, but not for everybody. Same right. with hospital births. same with, you know, C-sections. It's really about how we're made to feel in those moments. Yeah. So let's, um let's switch gears a little bit. What are you doing in the postpartum time? What do you see people struggling with? What are the areas that they needing support in in the postpartum time?
2: A lot of it is I mean some is physical obviously some is emotional I I, I see a whole mixed bag and it it is really and the interesting thing is that it's different and it's I see differences based you know what I see differences on really are based on what I what are generally self-worth um issues and you know sometimes it is you know physical like i want to be strong i want to rebuild from the inside out which is really what what i hope for people to want if if they're you know talking about like physical um care afterwards um and so i work with people a lot on i'll do one-on-one work and sometimes it'll be ongoing i mean i've had postpartum clients who have you know I've worked with them postpartum. It's been like their, their baby's now three years old and like, maybe they've got another pregnancy on the way. I mean, it's just like, you know, um, it's a way of life really, right? Like self-care. It's not just like, Hey, let me just get hit this goal and then I'm done. That's not consistent like living, but I work with them often one-on-one so that we can really like, first of all, so we can connect what is actually happening. How did their, how did their birth go? How does that feel? Like, what do they need? to discover within themselves, what do they need physically? Maybe they have some diastasis limitations or pelvic floor stuff or back stuff or whatever it is, we can get in there and I can create a specific class that I lead them through. So we work one-on-one virtually every week for those one-on-one clients. Some of them it's more coaching uh, and, and maybe that's, maybe it's far beyond the typical, you know, fourth trimester. Maybe it's their kid is a toddler or even older and they're like, I'm realizing as now as I'm parenting, there are things that I want to address within myself, there are things that I need help with or guidance with, or maybe it's just creating some consistent kind of scheduling with their self-care and allowing them to see the value in it. And more than that, allowing them to be okay with the fact that someone else might not see the value in it, mm. but that their self-care is important for their own emotional well-being, their physical well-being, their ability to mother, their ability to model, their ability to live in the world and to fulfill their purpose with you know, strength. And that's really important to me too, to help people really, like if they're going to do this work,
1: really do it. I love it. I think it's amazing. We have um, I mentioned this on a podcast I recorded earlier today. So this might be a repeat for people who are listening, but it's worth repeating. Uh, We've been doing some research into baby showers because obviously Be Village is all about baby showers and changing this conversation from all the stuff and all the gear and all the plastic crap that we're, you know, overloaded with at our baby showers Instead of what you're talking about, instead of doing the work, instead of supporting ourselves, ins- instead of the community care that we need, where we have people like you and other professionals really uplifting and surrounding and, and nourishing women as they transition into mothers. And we realize that the origins of the baby shower are closely linked to the mad men marketing error, error, error might also be accurate <laughs> But essentially the baby shower didn't come from a place of, or the modern day baby shower didn't come from a place of how do we properly prepare this mother and these parents for the baby and for the shift that's coming? It came from how do we sell this stuff? And so it actually started as- I know it started as a way to sell all the stuff to parents. Um, in, and so they created a ritual and they, and they marketed and they capitalized on the fact that people are willing to support and willing to spend money getting parents to support. Everybody wants to support the new parents. Of course, you know, of course people want this, but there's not an avenue to do it right now. And we need, we need to shift that conversation from, you know, it's not even just that you need this care because you do, but you deserve it. And we're going to gift it to you. We're going to, we're going to make sure that it's systematic, that every single person is getting this care as part of their preparation for parenthood, because it's so important. The things you are so important.
2: And I think it's beautiful that like, regardless of the container, right? That the whole, like, how do we sell things to people or this container that we're moving things into is like, how do we really support you? The container is there. Now it's really up to expecting parents to value what are they asking for? What do they value and say that they are willing to have gifted to them? you know, because I can, I can certainly see the scenario where someone's going to be like, ah, like the coaching or the, the yoga or the, you know, all of the other services there. Ah, I just kind of want to get all of these things and make sure I have all the stuff. Like I'm, there are going to be plenty of people who just are unwilling or unable to see like the, the value and the, the, the long lasting value and really preparing, um, Mm -hmm. and really just educating yourself and like fortifying yourself and building community and building that within, you know, yourself. Um, So I think that that shift is so important too within us, within us as women, within us and as women understanding what we deserve and what our value is and what is important rather than what we were
1: marketed to believe we need. Absolutely. And understanding that in valuing that for ourselves, we're actually being better mothers and we're actually providing for our children because you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't, as much as I try, (laughs) I have tested that theory personally. <laughs> Open the fridge. And- Are you sure there's no snacks in there? No, let me check again. <laughs> but you really, you can't, you can't show up for somebody and, and show up, not just for somebody, but showing up for your kids, the way that mothering really demands us to show up this 24 seven lifelong dedication, which chemically we're just kind of programmed to do, but we can't mother them without. To care for
2: ourselves. We know, like you just saying that, I mean, we know how draining it is. Like we know how much it takes. How can we forget how much we need then? How much we need to keep that, to let that be sustainable. Mm-hmm. We know it. We just have to remember. Yes. We we I mean we know we know that. We're I mean, we're amazing, intelligent, like magical, powerful,
1: smart women. Like we know that. Yes. We do. It's just we do. Much. One yeah. of the things that I have found is like, I will, and it's such a, this is what I mean though. Like I am the walking billboard for like what not to do, you know, it's like, <laughs> I will care for my three children. I will cook them warm, home-cooked meals. I will, organic food. I am like, I'm a stickler for like what goes into their bodies. And yeah. I'm really conscious of that. And I will do all of that and then not pack myself lunch, not eat all day, and then shove a bunch of food in my face at night because I'm starving and over, and, and I'm like, yeah. and I understand like the disconnect there. <laughs> like I'm, if I would just treat myself the way that they, I treat them, if I would just make sure that every few hours I have a healthy thing to eat then I would have the energy that they have. I would have like these bodies that are strong and healthy and growing. And it's this unbelievable ability that I have of just totally disconnecting my own needs. And still, I'm saying this still, I'm one of the people that is guilty of doing this. Um, And I think that there's a couple of things here, like there's parenting and that's, that's an ongoing tough thing, but there's also like pregnancy and birth and that fourth trimester. That is one of the most challenging things that we will go through as human beings. Just our bodies, there's a physical and an emotional and a mental and a spiritual shift. And sometimes that shift is a crack, depending on, (laughs) depending on like how flexible you are.
2: Identity change.
1: Yeah. It's really tough. And it's to go it alone. I think above all else, it's kind of just coming to me now, but like, it's, I sometimes have a hard time figuring out like how exactly to state what we're doing with Be Her Village and like what our goal is. But I think above all else, it's to make the whole experience less lonely because I think that whether you use a doula or you get a coach or you have a lactation consultant or someone, you set up a meal train or you know what I mean? Like it kind of doesn't matter what it looks like. I think it's just, we shouldn't be doing any of it alone it's not, it's not meant to be done alone. Yes. Yeah. We're the only, like our country is, and this, not just our country, but like this time in our country is one of the only times, and this is (laughs) pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, even more, more so. And I don't even know that we're post, but post the beginning of the pandemic. um, It's so isolating to become a mother because you're you're doing it in individual housing units, not multifamily, not villages where people are, you know, working and interacting together, not, you know, situations where young mothers are caring for each other's children in this beautiful, I mean, I think the communes had it right. (laughs) Is it weird that my retirement goals are to like, Start a com- a commune. Me and my team were talking about because um, one of the um, mentors that we got paired with on the How I Built This, the NPR How I Built This program, okay. is she was raised on a female only commune. It was like her single mother and a few other moms just raised their kids together. We were all like, "Can we can we have an all female commune?" And I was like, "Guys, we all have husbands and boyfriends. Like, what are we?" <laughs> They're like, "They're they'll go with Fine, then else. then they can come too. It can be a commune like, with everyone. Yeah, I mean, I, it wouldn't be an all-female one, but I'm up for a commune because this whole doing it alone thing, when we have, when if we just shared resources and we connected with one another, it just makes so much sense, um, yeah. both like from a resource standpoint, but also just from an emotional standpoint to, there's nothing more validating than connecting with somebody else who's either been there or is going through it in that moment.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thing. I mean, how many parents are, going through a pregnancy and, and giving birth and they've never, they've never seen it. First of all, they've never seen birth, mm-hmm. but I mean, a lot of them have never like babysat a child or held a baby. I mean, what, what is that? How can that even, how is that happening? But yeah. it is a ton. Like that's, it's so com- like common, but in a community where you're like, everyone's caring for everyone, everyone's learning from everyone before you need to know the, the information. It's just like kind of how you do things. You know, and that's, that's kind of one of the, one of the things that I also work in with, especially my prenatal yoga specifically is like, I I encourage people to come as early as they possibly can and as consistently as they can, because that way not only are you building like this self-awareness and like breath awareness and you know shifting your mindset and like feeling empowered and reminding yourself of what you can do what you're what you're capable of it becomes now it becomes how you do things not just something you have to remember from that birthing class that i took one saturday that was way too long like it's this is this is i've been practicing this i've built this new habit this is how i do things this is how i breathe this is how i support myself so that i'm not suddenly overwhelmed you know, it's like this even sense of like ongoing strength and knowledge. And it's like
1: ingrained. I love that. I think it's, it's (sighs) so, so so (laughs) important. And I think that we are doing the work and we're reaching more people. And I also get this sense of the shift is already happening. You know, I think that there, and this is part of what's exciting about your fully virtual platform. And part of what's exciting about Be Her Village's gift registry platform is that we are answering a need. You know, I think people are waking up and they don't want, they don't want a bunch of baby clothes. I mean, they do, they're cute and everything, but you need like 10 onesies and a few diapers, you know, and there's this need for community and, and people are waking up and ready for it. And that is very, very ready
2: and feeling that it's okay to ask for these things more and more accepted and okay to ask for support and ask for help. And not only is it okay, but this is how things were designed to be. This is how we, how we're successful.
1: Yes. That's such a beautiful thing. How can people who are watching and who are listening, how can they find you?
2: They can find me at my website at emilymassnoon.com.
1: Um, and everything is there. Excellent. I love it. Thank you so much, Emily. This was wonderful. And as usual, I am so grateful to be hanging out with you and for your time.
2: Thank you.